Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. This is Dr. Dave Cornelius, your host. And we're here having another fabulous episode. And we're going to talk about what did you learn from failure to grow? And with us, we have author and someone who I've recently met and, and I'm learning a lot about. And he's going to tell us about what did he learn from failure to grow. So, Ira, Wolf, why don't you uh, give us an elevator pitch about who you are and some of the great things that you've done? Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Dr. Dave. I'm, uh, I, it's great to be here, and I love this topic, so uh, this should be fun. Uh, so just a quick background about me. Um, a couple, I'll, I'll give you some titles that people know me as. Uh, one is a millennial trapped in a baby boomer body. So as uh, anybody who's watching, they can see just chronologically, I'm a baby boomer, but I think much more as a, you know, maybe even a Gen Z. So, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, you know, continual learning and, and growing and so forth. But, uh, you know, along the way, it was a, uh, actually, my first career was a dentist. And then I've, I had a successful co coaching consulting business for the 25 years. And now I'm on another chapter of that. Um, so it just fits in line with what we're going to be talking about. That's so excellent. So let, let's talk about, you know, failure. Um, most of us don't want to talk about failure, but failure is a great teacher. So share a significant failure in your leadership journey. And, you know, what are some of the lessons that you got from that? Yeah, there, there's some irony there. And I don't know if you, you you caught it. Obviously, you created some of these questions, but, you you know, we started this whole conversation by what did I learn from failure to grow? And that could be taken two different ways, because um, you're going to there's a lot to learn by when you when you fail to grow. Um, but you can also, um, you know, by learning from the failures, you can grow. So, um, you know, reflecting back, uh, you know, I guess I've got what they call a growth mindset. And I look at life as as a journey. And there's uh, there, it's it's not a final destination what the products are uh, constantly learning, changing, overcoming setbacks. And, you know, are there's mistakes that basically knock us down that we can't get up or are they just part of that whole experience and and uh, i'm sure we'll get into this a little bit but reflecting um you know what could we have done differently you know rather than diminishing our our ourselves our self-confidence uh that hey we're just not good enough you know to be able to do it so you know reflecting back um i, I could have said that i chose a wrong career i had a very very successful career as a dentist 18 years sold it 30 years ago people said you're you know you've got this great life you you have you know two homes you know three cars um playing a lot of golf uh you're only working about 20 hours a week you got i mean it looked great from the outside um so but when i left it people said well you know was that a mistake and to this day 30 years later i'm still struggling was it a mistake that i went to dental school um put uh you know i was in the service for two years i had a residency um you know the, the toils of starting a practice from scratch and and building it up and all the stuff that goes along with it but i learned a tremendous amount um would my life have been different if i didn't go to dental school yeah sure but maybe it wouldn't have come out as good i mean we can't go back so um i have to where other people said what a mistake you spent all those years in school and spent all that money and now you're not using it. 
And I, but on the flip side, I am using it. I'm using it every day of what I learned from that experience. So I, I think failure is sometimes in, in the eye of the beholder or in the, maybe in the brains of the beholder. No, I, I could totally um, relate to that in, in terms of switching careers and, and finding a, a new path that suits you better. Right. And, it, and that's the way I like to frame it um, in that yeah. context. And there's a lot of yeah. people struggling with that now, too. I mean, these people have gone to, to, to college and they have enormous debt, you know, coming out. And it's like, well, what a mistake it was. They went to college and they have this debt. And now I'm not using those skills. But there were experiences along the way. And no one says that you have to, to whatever degree you have, you have to pursue a degree with that and work 30 or 40 or now even 50 years um, in the same field and you hate it. Uh, you know, I have a biology degree, or, or actually I'm not, I don't even have a biology degree. I have two, I have a degree called natural science and it was two credits, it was a couple credits short of having a full biology degree, but I don't use any of that. But the whole process and learning and the experiences I picked up along the way are incredibly vital. So uh, a lot of people are struggling right now with that, that, uh, you know, they have remorse that they took a particular path, but there's a lot of life skills and experiences that they have that could be applied across the board. I completely agree. There's a lot of good information <clears throat> that's available that, uh, that you could totally leverage another aspect of, uh, of your career or whatever work that you're doing. But if we think about what you've worked with teams and one mm -hmm. of the, the key things that we think about is psychological safety, right? And, so how do you go about making sure that your teams feel safe um, to discuss mistakes and failures openly without fair retribution? Yeah, that's a great question. And in fact, I teach a class on innovation and entrepreneurship. Uh, and we're just, that just literally came up today, just a, a few hours ago. Uh, it's, I learned a lot. I can't tell you that I've always done it. I mean, my you know, I started business and building out my team 40 years ago. I always wanted to create an environment like that. Uh, and I, I think when it comes down to it, it's based on trust. Uh, you know, how do you how do you how do you build trust or maybe even beyond that? How do you become trustworthy? How do how do my employees or people that I delegate um, uh, tasks to but they disagree with me? How do I create an environment where they trust that I will not fire them or get angry at them? Sure, I can get frustrated. I can get stressed out. I may not like what they have to say. But, uh, you know, how do how do you create that environment that it's a two way street and that you're open enough not to, uh, you know, to accept what they have to say is a different perspective. You don't have to agree with them and then move on. The, the challenge is, is that as a 28 year old or 30 year old, when I started my business, and started hiring people, um, you know, I had a title. I was a doctor. Um, there were there were some of my employees were 18 and 19 years old. They were fresh out of high school uh, as assistants. And to have the attitude is that, well, why don't they respect me? Why are they why are they questioning things? Why are things following my direction? Um, and when I learned to open up and accept that, many of them had better ideas than I ever had had. I knew how to run the business. I had to do. I knew how to do a lot of procedures. 
but some of them had different experiences, uh, you know, even working in a grocery store or as a, as a waitress. Those experiences they were able to bring into my life, into my practice, into my business. And, um, you know, when I when I was, I guess, mature enough, maybe is the word or an open minded <laughs> enough to, to accept it, not as, hey, what do they know? They're just kids. Uh, my life changed and I still am that way. I'm I've you know, I'm I'm um, I'm an older baby boomer and I've got my my students now are 18 to 22 years old. There's I mean, 45, 50 years difference between us. I'm still learning from them. I mean, that's a type of environment. Um, they thought I screwed up on one of the assignments. I didn't give them enough time. Uh, I I didn't allow them time in class to to um, to to kind of set their projects. My assumption was, hey, they go to the small school. They should all be able to meet and and get their act together. And um, so I, I had a feedback form and they shared it and I took their advice and I was wrong. And and just today we talked about that and they appreciated it. So uh, you just have, to, I can't say just be open-minded because sometimes it's not. And it's not that I just you develop a thick skin, but um, you know, you can't, titles, titles don't do it. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to learn. Um, and I, I guess the bottom line is you got to be vulnerable and transparent and, and just be yourself, be authentic. Um, you know, stop playing, stop playing the role. <laughs> um, uh, and, and life is just much better for everybody around you. So, uh, I must've learned, done something right because as I said, I haven't practiced in 30 years yet. Some of my employees who now are in their forties and fifties, I haven't even seen in 25 years or more. And yet we're, we're friends on Facebook. They communicate with me. They send me pictures of their kids. They send me Christmas cards and holiday cards. Um, yeah, so I must've done something right, but I, I had to learn it. I had to learn it. Well, it, it's nothing like being a leader that demonstrates vulnerability to others, which gives them space to realize that Hey, it's it's okay when we fail sometimes. We know, you know, Ira is going to give us some grace in the process as well. So I, I could I could guarantee a lot of that is coming from there too. Yeah, but it it takes time. I mean, I I and I committed to doing. I mean, I wanted to become a better leader and a manager. So you know, through the course of eighteen years of having my practice, I took a lot of clinical courses, but I did a lot of study. I, I really learned at leadership and management and how to build better teams and. I didn't always do it right. I hired the wrong people, and sometimes I behaved badly. I, I didn't do it perfectly, but uh, again, people trust, you know, there, there's a level of trust that at the end of the day, um, I didn't do things intentionally to hurt other people, and I know other people didn't do that. And the ones that did, we carved out of the team, and and they were few and far between. You become much smarter at who, who, who you, hang, you hang around with. What, without a doubt. So so let's pivot and think about the tools and, and the approach of how we analyze failure. So um, the question is, what systemic approach or tools do you use to analyze and dissect organizational failures to extract meaningful insights? I'm going to, you know, I, I teach a class on organizational change to a graduate level. So I, this should be like, here's the system, here's the five steps. I don't have five steps. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure it's that simple. 
Um, I what I learned over the years, and I didn't know what to call it uh, until uh, a few years ago. I, I came across Carol Dweck's work with growth, fixed and growth mindset, and you know, certainly a fixed mindset is you are what you are. This is who I am, and take it take it or leave it. And some people are good at things, and some people aren't, and there's no way to develop it because natural born leaders and managers are or athletes. And, you know, what a growth mindset says is that you're open, uh, that it, we're all on a journey. And if something is important enough for you, you'll learn how to do it. And along the way, you'll make some mistakes, but you'll learn from them. And, and again, life's not a destination, it's a journey. So part of that, I, I think when, when we're analyzing failures, you almost have to have a growth mindset. Um, and then, but there has to be a level of curiosity that you ask questions is that if something doesn't work out as well as it should, what could I have done differently? Um, who could I have reached out to? Um, what were the alternatives? And and not necessarily look like what a stupid idea that was. And I've had those. <laughs> I've, I've made some bad investments. I've put money in the wrong places. I've trusted the wrong people. And some of them were just dumb mistakes. But I don't keep beating myself up. What I do is you reflect back on it and say, what could I have done differently? How could I have picked that up early? How could I have approached that person differently? How could I recognize that it was going to be a problem early or maybe do something differently to save the relationship or, or save that? Um, you know, and again, when it comes to investment, sometimes you, you get out early and but there's there's no way to be perfect in, in this life, uh, whether it's, you know, over investing money or investing in a relationship. So I, I my I guess my my two step rule is one is a or a process is is have a growth mindset uh and be curious well those are very two um important themes or, or habits to demonstrate about having a a growth mindset and being curious about information but that leads right in to to start thinking about reframing failures you know of how do you guide your team in shifting their perspectives on failure from a, a negative event to a valuable learning experience i could imagine this is taking place in the great experiment of your classroom right now oh yeah yeah they absolutely did today uh, uh the assignment that i positioned uh realizing that i probably was overloading them giving them too much time and also realizing that this weekend was four days, uh, they, they have their spring break, or no, their spring break, their fall break. Uh, and I have this like major assignment due Tuesday. So, you know, you take a step back and, and you recalculate, but you know, how, how do you reframe the bigger picture? Uh, again, my career, you know, 18 years, actually 25 years invested uh, in, you know, going to college, going to dental school, residency, uh, opening a practice, and then sort of, I, I didn't walk away, I got paid for it, but um, but, you know, shifting gears and starting all over. How, how do you how do you reframe that? Uh, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. I think it's not only how do you analyze failures, uh, it, it's it's having that growth mindset. And I can tell you early on, I did not have that. I had I had more of a fixed mindset that there were certain things that um, what if I admit that I made the wrong choice? What if I admit that I wasn't really uh, fulfilled doing dentistry? What would people think? Would they stop coming to me? Um, who would I share that with? Um, would would that be indicated that I'm a failure, that I'm running away, that I'm a quitter? Uh, and and so 
you know, partly is when you have this fixed mindset is one is it could be an internal belief that you just are who you are and you can't get any better at it. And if you're not good at something, you can't be good at it. Uh, but even if you don't have that, even if you say that's fine, but there's still a perception. There's still a perception of other people. And I could tell you for the first number of years that I left my practice, people said uh, something must be wrong. Why did you quit? Why? What are you running away from? Um, and it went all the way from, are you getting divorced? I mean, people had to look for a reason that people would leave a, an enormously successful practice um, to uh, one of the largest in our region uh, to um, you know starting another career, uh, starting another business. It went from, are you getting divorced to, and this was at early on, now it seems like strange, but early on 30 years ago, um, AIDS. I mean, people were fearful of AIDS. There was no vaccine. There was no treatment. People were being alienated. Um, there, there was a rumor in my community that I must have had AIDS. Um, and uh, and again, that was the reason that that's the only reason that people would quit, you know, would quit, would, would change a career like that because they didn't know any other dentists who did. They knew a lot of unhappy dentists in their career. They knew unhappy physicians, engineers, accountants, teachers. Um, they knew a lot of happy young people, but it was, how do you deal with the other people? Uh, and that's when you realize who your friends are. And that's where you realize that, you know, you develop your own story. And, uh, you know, in time, it was, it was a belief that in time they would come to say, oh, now I see why you left. Now you're so much happier. You're, you're a different person. Um, and you know, that, that's what the story was. Underlying that, and, and maybe we're jumping ahead here a little bit to, to the solution, but um, one of the things that, that, I, that I was always asked, and, and I'm sure you are and many of the listeners out there, was what do you, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to, um, what do you want on that tombstone? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I mean, when, when somebody says Ivor Wolf after you're gone, what do you want them to know about you? Who are you? And I can tell you, I worked on that. I mean, I took lots of training as mentors and coaches, and I struggled with figuring it out until somewhat recently. Um, and, and I wrote about it in, in my latest book. But it was really having knowing what your purpose is, having that personal purpose statement. And I can tell you that what got me through, how I reframed failure, what, what helped me to reframe that, was my why, my why statement and what we call our why operating system. And, and that really is to help others find better ways to be extraordinary. Okay. That's who I am. I one What hit me was when I was in dentistry, I could do that by helping people have a healthier mouth. But I don't know if that helped them become extraordinary. Hmm. It, it was, it, you know, and people said, you can change somebody's life by having a great smile. And that is true. But having a great smile doesn't necessarily become, doesn't necessarily help them become extraordinary. It it just may prevent them or give them the confidence or or change that in perspective. But that alone is not going to do it. So I needed something bigger. I needed to, to literally trans, help people 
that were struggling or or transform their lives. And I spent the last 30 years in helping companies hire the right people. Because when you hire the wrong people, it makes the owner and the manager unhappy. It makes the person unhappy. The person who leaves is unhappy. The person who that they have to work for is unhappy. How do you help people live up to their potential, bring out the best in them? And when I say extraordinary, it doesn't mean that they're going to be multi-jillionaires. Um, they can be earning $40,000 a year, and but they feel good. They feel that they matter, that they have a role to play. Um, they're enjoying their life. Um, so long way around there, when we're talking about reframing failure, I've, I, I think what's missing a lot of times is why would people do that? Why would they want to reframe failure? Because there was nothing guiding them to the future. It was like, oh yeah, we learned from that. Now we'll do. Now we'll go try something else, and we'll go through the same mix. And if we fail again, we'll just dust up. But that's sort of just, you know, getting knocked down, getting back up, getting knocked down, getting back up. Eventually, it gets tiring. Um, but if there's a path, if there's a goal, if there's a milestone, if there's some belief system in your head that you know, such as, and I, I can't give this to other people, they have to learn it for themselves, is to help others find better ways to be extraordinary. That's my guiding light. And at the end of the day, when I have a bad day and something doesn't work out and, and I get criticized for something or don't don't get, uh, you know, I, I, I apply for something and don't get it, it's still, okay, tomorrow I'll, I'll help somebody else find the better way to be extraordinary. And that's that's the goal. That's you know, that's how I live. And it took me a long, long time to find that. And that's part of my, what, what my personal mission is now. How can I help people do it before they're in, you know, 60 or 70 years old and, re, uh, you know, and, and figure that out? How do you help? And that's what I'm doing with my class, 18 to 22 year olds. How do I help them at least start to think about what their personal purpose is early on? And, and in an entrepreneur class, we're talking about mindset more than how to run the business. Because if they yeah, have the mindset, I'm, I'm, then they'll learn how to run the business. <laughs> certainly, right, with practice, but it's the lessons learned, right? And now it's about how do we implement those lessons. So once you have picked up on some of the lessons from from the setback, um, how did you ensure insights are transformed into something that's actionable, the steps yeah. um, for improvement, right? Because that's the that's the whole thing. It's not just yeah, I learned something from it, but how, how did I get better? Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. It's not, it, you know, just because you go and you get an x-ray doesn't mean you're cured. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, what the problem is. So, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, one is you have to, some people are, have that self-motivation. Um, if, if you know what your purpose is, or if you have even a, a grand, what they call a massive transformative purpose, some, some big vision, you're going to cure cancer, you're going to solve part, you're going to solve poverty, you're going to have clean water around the world, you're going to reduce climate, you're, you're going to have a better climate, what, whatever it is, it could be that grand, or it could just be, I just want my kids to grow up and have a good life, a better life than I do. Um, it is, it is knowing what that is, and believing it, because there, you, you know, probably lots of people who say, um, the most important thing to me is my kids, and I'll do anything to make sure they have a better life than I do. And then along the way, they absolutely lead a dysfunctional life. They drink too much. They're angry. They don't get help. Uh, they don't treat their family well. They would 
whole lot of social things they do wrong that does not help their kids do what they say they want to do. Uh, the implementing part is sometimes it's motivation. Sometimes it's getting help, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a coach. Um, sometimes it's changing your job so you have a better manager, finding a better opportunity. Um, but I still think it, you know, the implementation part, I think, is pretty easy. I, I, I think that the, the challenging part is most people don't know what they want out of life. You know, it's like, what do you want to do is, well, I want a good job and I want to I, I want to earn enough money to take care of my family. I will tell you that gets really old. You know, th that gets really, really old. Uh, that doesn't motivate people. Uh, and so, you know, what are the things that people need to do to change that? Um, and again, I'm going to get I, I keep going back to the why, because um, I, I saw even with 18 to 22 year olds, the Gen Z who is lost, you know, the lost, another lost generation. They don't care about work. They're, they're lazy. The light, I would say out of 19 students for 10 or 12, the light bulb went on. It's like, they got it. It's like people were saying, well, I really want to be an actress. I want to be in theater, but I know I can't make money. And it's like, why, what, what, when you're on stage or you're singing or, or you're creating a scene, what is it that you ultimately want to create? And how could you use your talents in that way? And, and it's like, well, you know, I really want to help young children have a more opportunity. I want them to be more creative. That's your why. That's the goal. It's, it's not being on stage and getting applause that motivates you. It's the ability to change somebody's life who is in the audience. Um, and, you know, that that's the implementation part. I mean, that's that's the effect. But I, I think that the missing piece is you can give people all the steps of how to do it. But if you don't if they don't know why they're doing it and the why is personal, then it's just the transaction. It's not emotional. We're, what we're talking about here is how do you implement? Is how do you emotion? How do you how do you create emotional resonance with that? That people get it. Um, you can't motivate other people. What you can do is inspire people to help them find their motivation. What what's what's their driver? What's their value? What do they want out of life? And so I, I think implementation really comes from the why more than. Here, here's five steps. And if you follow these five steps, you nailed it. Um, that's that. I, I think we're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And now we're just being coaches and consultants who have this five-step process that works some of the time, but not all the time. Well, isn't that a truth? Um, <laughs> because one of the other aspects that's really important is resilience. Yeah. And, and resilience play a critical role in bouncing back from failure. Um, think of a time that your team showed remarkable resilience. Yeah. What factors do you believe contributed to them showing up with that sense of resilience? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've lived through a bunch of tragedies. And so again, I, a lot of your listeners may be a lot younger and they don't remember, but you know, in the, in the late eighties, um, or in the 80s was the first time I'm going to go back to the HIV 
uh, it was the first cases that were there. And it was primarily uh, among, I mean, the highest rates were among homosexual men. So, but there was transmissions. Um, but there was a there was a dentist in Florida who um, there was a patient of a dentist in Florida who died from AIDS. He and he probably had it from a patient he treated and passed it on and blah blah blah. So now that there's this general fear around coming to a dental office, um, and fortunately I had training in the hospital. I was on staff of the hospital, so you know I was familiar with masking and wearing gloves and uniforms and the protocol where a lot of other people weren't. So I looked at it that you know here's an opportunity to improve we can't take the fear away and we can't stop we didn't want to stop treating patients um but we created a is how do we respond positively to that so you know basically we invested and everybody had uniforms we send them out to be cleaned we all wore masks and gloves and we we became familiar with that three years ago <laughs> again hmm. um but we all wore masks and gloves. And I had a newsletter at the time and I wrote a newsletter and ensured everybody that we would be safe. Uh, and also the staff was safe that I was taking every precaution. So part of it is, is that there were people that were fearful. Um, there was definitely a downturn. People were canceling appointments right and left. Uh, Yet yeah, we banded together. We talked about it. How can we, what was our, what was our ultimate goal? How can we do that safely? How can we communicate that to the patients? Uh, and we were, we boomed. And the dentists down the street were doing the exact same thing we were. They were masking and gloving and sterilizing their heroes, but they complained about it. They said, you know how much, how much more expensive it is for us to buy gloves and masks and, and, and sterilize all the instruments. We had to go buy this. So we're going to raise our fees. And, you know, our approach, my approach was that's part of our responsibility. When people come into us, they need to be safe. They need to get the care that they wanted and leave healthy. Not, hey, we filled your teeth, but you got AIDS. Um, <laughs> that can that story can be translated over and over and over again. So part of it, a resilience is still going to go back to what's your ultimate goal? What, what's your values? Uh, but how do you turn and maybe this maybe this ultimate it's a great question because i'm reflecting on my own it if you look at it as what a mis that it's a mistake or it's a tragedy or how am i going to change this you can't but what you can do is respond differently so resilience is is really what did i learn from it and how can i respond differently tomorrow or the next time this happens so it's not necessarily how do you become more resilient? It's how do you develop a better response to the times you're set back? And also just in the very definition, and this is a passion of mine, we work with the, something called the adaptability quotient. And part of that is we measure, we, we look at people's grit, which is going forward. Uh, but it also is grit, by the way, just for everybody out there is more than just hard work and keeping going. It's passion. The, the real definition of grit is perseverance and passion. So you have to know what you're passionate about, what you're motivated about. Just doing it over and over again is not grit. Um, but resilience is not only bouncing back, but bouncing back in a timely manner. 
because there's some people that are resilient, but for a year they were depressed and down and stressed out and angry at the world. And then finally they somehow got, they wore off and they got over it. Resilience, when you're resilient, it's the ability to get knocked down and pretty quickly get up and get over it. Um, similar, I know a lot of people talk about it's like a similar pathway to grieving, but it's not that you can't grieve. It's you just can't stop living, you know, through that process. So everybody has a different degree. Uh, there are tools to, to help people become more resilient. Um, but I, again, I, I think it's still come. It, I, again, I got a theme going on here. Um, it's growth mindset, curiosity. What could we have done differently? Uh, how can we and, and thinking positively and making those moves? And that's going to help you recover and be more resilient. Uh, there's no magic bullet. There's no pill you can take to be resilient. But but that walks right into the next question of creating a continuous learning culture. So you've laid out several points. And I would like to say, how do you foster a culture where failure aren't just accepted, but are actively seen as opportunities for continuous learning and growth? Because that's the important thing, because resilience is not just bouncing back, but it's also learning and growing from the experiences that you had. So I'd love yeah. to hear from you on that. Yeah, it, it all goes hand in hand because again, you need everybody needs grit. They, they need to be persevere. We're, we're gonna have setbacks and they need to move forward. We need to be resilient because no matter how much plant we plan, there's always somebody throwing a curveball or you know, COVID or a pandemic or you know, um, weather. I mean, there, there's all these things that are gonna disrupt our lives. So we need to, we need to know how to accept those and move forward. Uh, growth mindsets a, it, is clearly a key. How how do you develop that? Well, again, you, you need these other skills because you're not going to have a growth mindset if you're not gritty and resilient. Um, but it, it's also being uh, again, it's both being curious and it's it's about surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, vulnerability is a key part of that. You know, um, you need to be vulnerable. I mean, if if everybody thinks you're Superman, um, the only you're only kidding yourself. I mean, it is that the fact is that if you think even even Superman was vulnerable to kryptonite, so you know everybody has everybody has a weakness, and it's understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, I would encourage everyone, not that you have to personally hire a mentor or a coach and, and invest tons of money, um, but you know, self-awareness is a key, is who I am. How do I respond? Um, again, I, my wife tells me this all the time. I have, I have a, I don't get angry. I don't get outwardly angry. I get quickly frustrated. So I, I have a short fuse when something doesn't work like it should, or I think it should, I get frustrated, but I go up and I come down and she says, why do you get so frustrated so quickly? Um, well, I don't get angry. I'm not angry at anybody else. I'm angry at the situation. I'm angry at myself. I take a deep breath. I think about it. And then I move on. And it's like, okay, what could I have done differently? Go back and, and fix it up. There's other people that just stay there. But that was that was a learning process. Um, I don't know what triggered me wanting to learn how to do that. Uh, I don't have an answer for that part. Uh, you know, what, why did I you know, what was the aha moment that I woke up one day and said, you know, yeah, I am, you know, pretty smart, got into the best schools, had good grades, became a successful dentist, did all those things. Um, 
but I still didn't feel whole. I didn't feel fulfilled, but I couldn't admit that I wanted to do something differently. And there had to be this vulnerability to say, you know, yeah, I sort of screwed up on my career choice, um, but I learned from it and, and pursue that. And, you know, and, and I made lots of dumb choices <laughs> along the way. Uh, some are personal, some are professional, some are career oriented. Uh, but there's a vulnerability to admit that if you inter if if you and I met 40 years ago and asked me about the same conversation, said, "Hey, you're a, you're a really successful dentist. Would you come on my show uh, and talk about mistakes?" I probably wouldn't have done it because I didn't want people to know that I. I didn't have my entire life completely together. <laughs> so even even to talk about that, people just need to be vulnerable. I'm I'm not that I'm not a coach in that regard. You know, I can provide people tools, but there are people that are really really good at at helping you get comfortable at again being vulnerable and I think being vulnerable is the first step in growing. Um, so continuous learning isn't necessarily about, oh, I'd love to learn more history, or I, I, I'd love to learn how to speak, you know, another language, or I'd love to become really good at programming. Yeah, those are all decent skills. That's, I don't think that's what you and I are talking about here. Continuous learning is about how to deal with other people. Learning a new skill is easy. Changing our, our personal abilities, what we used to call soft skills, uh, which are a whole lot harder to learn than about the technical skills. Um, because, you know, technical skills, you can study, do it all over again. Um, but dealing with your emotions, other people's emotions and going on there is tough. So I think the, the creating a continuous learning culture is one, how do we, uh, you know, becoming self-awareness, a, a, a willingness that I need to understand me better. And the second part of that is understand how other people see me. Because I may see myself as um, as driven, and other people may see my see me as aggressive and a bully. I may see myself as detailed, and other people see me as nitpicky. I may see myself as outgoing, and other people say I'm a BSer. <laughs> um, you know, how do I recognize when what I what I'm trying to portray or what my intentions are? are completely uh, interpreted differently by somebody else. Um, it took me a while, you know, to, 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 to not look, you know, through that same narrow lens. It's like, well, if you don't see me this way, then that's your problem. Now, it's partly my problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it takes time. It, it, it definitely takes time. So as we wrap up, I want to re remind our audience to innovate and thrive and just be willing to experiment, evaluate and evolve. You know, that's the mantra of a future focused generative leadership and generative leader. And Ira, I, I just wanted to say thank you for giving your time and bringing some of those great uh, thoughts forward to help our our. Um, our, li our listeners to learn and get better at, at stuff. And maybe is there one thing you want to leave our audience with today? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave them with something physical. Um, I actually got it. I just came in the last couple of days. So the change, uh, it's actually a book I co-authored. And a lot of what I talked about is in there. It's my personal story, my journey, talking about some of the mistakes, some of the challenges. Uh, it talks about the why, that YOS that we talked about and talked about growth mindset. So it, it was it was my application in, in a more personal story. Uh, there's also 19 other similar stories people shared with their failures. The re- built, there's a few stories on resilience and, and growth mindset and, and overcoming uh, some challenges there. Um, but I, I I guess the one short message I would, oh, by the way, you can, can I, am I allowed to give my, uh, my website, how they can get that because I'm giving it away for free. Of so, course. Yeah. Of course. I, yeah. If you didn't do that, I'm like, okay, you didn't like my show. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's very easy. And, and we'll put, I'm sure you'll put this in the, in the, uh, hopefully you'll put it in the uh, show notes, but it's very of simple. Course. Go to Ira Wolf, Ira Wolf.com forward slash the dash change dash book. Uh, so it's irawolf.com forward slash the dash change dash book, or just go up to irawolf.com and you'll see it up there. Um, I'm giving away the digital copy. You can, you can get it for free. Uh, and so that's, that would be a good way to start this continuous learning journey uh, and growing because there's 20 great stories from other people um, who some of them had real tragedies strike through life and what they did to get through it. And uh, so uh, again, if you like my chapter or not, um, ho- hopefully you do. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of other life experiences and that's the best way to learn from people, people that have been there before uh, challenged. And we came from all different walks of life all over the country, actually all over the world. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully people can learn from that. Well, I hope so. So in closing, I'd just like to say thank you for tuning in to the Nal Show with Dr. Dave a podcast. Until next time, keep experimenting, learning, and leading from the middle, not from the back or the front. I want you to be in the mix of everything and leading things forward. Again, Ira, thank you so much for contributing today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Day.